I am Andrea Butcher, and this is Being at Work. Being a leader is hard. So on this show, I set out to talk with experienced leaders to learn from their pivotal moments, how they led through the challenges we can all relate to but are often unheard. Today's guest is Scott Miller, president of Bowman Construction. When Scott was in college, the director of campus activities told him, you can be a leader and gave him a leadership book. This simple act had a huge impact on him, and he's been a student of leadership ever since. He's run multiple organizations, spent a few years in a senior economic development role, coached high school basketball, and throughout his career, there's a clear theme of growth, growing people and growing businesses. He'll talk today about a pivotal moment in his career in which he was completely caught off guard. And upon reflection, he's learned that nothing great happens without adversity. Check it out. I grew up in Northern Illinois and um, my mom was an educator. So she taught elementary school in my hometown. And my dad was the director of finance for a company called Honeywell Corporation. And so they were both leaders in their own right and really encouraged uh, my brother and I to uh, constantly step into leadership roles and lead wherever we were at. So um, as a kid, I grew up playing sports and loved sports probably more than anything and still do today. But uh, it afforded me the opportunity to be able to attend college in Ohio at Cedarville University and play basketball there. And then following that, I came to Indianapolis to work for a public accounting firm. And, uh, and that kind of kicked off my Indiana connection, and I've been here ever since. And so following the public accounting firm, I left that to run a, a commercial landscape business. And uh, it was originally headquartered in Indianapolis. It's now in Fishers, but was a part of growing that business all over the nation. And Mainscape is the name of that business, and it's now the largest privately held landscape firm in America. And then after about 10 years of uh, having that role of running that firm, uh, Mayor Ballard was elected and he was looking for somebody to run economic development that was a business person and had grown their business um, outside of the state of Indiana. And so I took that opportunity and was a huge blessing in my life. It wasn't something I ever thought I'd be able to do, um, but had the chance to travel all over the world selling Indianapolis uh, to the rest of the world, whether it was in Asia or Europe or South America, and had a blast doing that. And Indianapolis is such an easy sell uh, to anybody who lives here or to those outside who then come here to stay. Um, I then left that. Well, I continued there, I guess, and, and uh, we merged a bunch of organizations together all under the Indy Chamber brand and had a chance to run that for an, another uh, couple of years and then left to go run a family-owned construction business in uh, Indiana. And that led me to find Bowman Construction, which is up in Marion, Indiana. And I was able to purchase this a couple of years ago and branch out on my own and, and uh, see what this entrepreneurship thing is all about. So, so that's kind of my journey to today. And then in addition to that, for probably the last 20 years, I've also coached high school basketball. And I'm now the head boys coach at Cecina Memorial High School, which is in Indianapolis on the east side. And I love doing that. It's my passion and allows me to share with those young men the different things that I learn on a business, on a business side. And then I'm able to apply 
on a business side, the things that I learned from coaching. So it seems to be a great fit. Yeah, it sounds like it. And across all of those, definitely that theme of growth, whether it's growing people or growing businesses. Yeah. You know, I've probably been fortunate enough to be put in the right situations and have the right people around me. But each of the organizations that I've had an opportunity to be a part of thus far have really uh, been able to do that, have been able to grow. And, and I think, you know, we all look for people to, to verify where our strengths are. And I've got a lot of weaknesses. Um, but one of the strengths that people have shared with me is that you do have a uh, unique ability to be able to be around people who, who are able to grow organizations. And so I think a part of that is just recruiting and bringing the right people around us. Yeah, no, no doubt. Scott, tell us a little bit about, um, through all of those experiences, I'd love to hone in on a moment that taught you a lot about yourself and your leadership. Is there a particular moment that comes to mind? Yeah, and it, it's probably, you know, I've been taught that sharing our failures, sh sharing our uh, successes with people allows them to kind of understand us a little bit, but to really get to know people, share your failures. And so at the end, so I had uh, been at Mainscape for about 10 years. And to their credit, I'm still good friends with, with the guys who owned it. It was two brothers. But I remember we had just had our best year ever. And they called me in, and this would have been early summer of 2008. And they said, hey, Scott, we, we think uh, been really happy with where things have been. But we think we need to go in a different direction at this point in time. And when they shared that, I was crushed. And I could feel anger and all the different emotions that come up with having something where you thought you'd really helped be a part of uh, building something amazing. But it taught me that uh, no matter what, I'm not the one in control. And that from my perspective, there are always unique opportunities ahead of you, even when something seemingly bad takes place. And what, which led me to the ability to be a part of the economic development team um, in Indianapolis and to travel the world. And I never would have done that uh, had I continued in the role that I did continue in. So, so really now as, as difficult things happen or bad things happen, it probably crystallized that in, in my mind, at least that there's a, a plan out there that's maybe bigger than what we know. And you just have to, to try and find the, um, the opportunity in whatever you're going through. Mm -hmm. I suspect in the moment it was hard to come to that, but through reflection, you've learned that ultimately it sounds like it was a blessing in disguise, led you to a new growth opportunity that helped get you where, to where you are today. Well, huge. And, and I've even shared, in fact, I just this week talked to Dave Mazanowski, who is the the sole owner now of, of Mainscape. And, and they had some very challenging things. And he personally had some very challenging things that took place after I left, um, maybe four or five years after I had left. And we've talked about, there's that saying there, uh, go I, but for the grace of God type of thing. And totally could have happened to me. And I could have been swept up into that um, same situation. And so uh, sometimes I think, uh, for me personally, again, from a faith perspective, it's sometimes God protecting us from um, something that, that we may not even realize is out there. 
Yeah. So let's go back to the moment. And then I'm eager to learn about how you've grown and in the moments. So it sounds like today, Scott, because of that mindset, like you respond more so than react. I see a lot of leaders react emotionally because it's what you had. It's exactly what you said. You felt like, gosh, we're coming off of the best year ever. I've been such a big part of this. This isn't aligned with my plan. And so ego and defensiveness and all of that pops in. How have you learned to respond versus react when things don't go as planned, when something pops up you hadn't expected? I think it's it's consistently looking back at that specific event. But even since then, multiple other events have taken place in my life um, that I wouldn't have chosen. But because I've gone through them, you can kind of always look back and say, I came out better because of it. And you've grown because I think it's taught me persistence. You know, don't give up. It's taught me how to rebound quickly. And these are all things, like I said, that I get a chance to share with these young high school athletes on a consistent basis now. And it's so applicable in the sports world and the business world alike is just how do you bounce back uh, when bad things happen? And that's part of life. Bad things are going to happen no matter where, where we're at or what we hope will happen. And so I think just that persistent and uh, can-do spirit, um, which my mom is the ultimate um, optimist, and she really bred that into my brother and I. Yeah, I love that intersection of like resilience and persistence. It's the, It sounds like the combination of those two attributes is so helpful in those challenging moments. But until you live it, it's really hard to think, you know, how will I respond? If, if I were in that same situation, how would I respond? And so I think part of it is just going through the process yourself. And so I've been fortunate enough to have some difficult situations that I've had to overcome. Right. Yeah. So the experience helps, but then, but I hear you with the teaching of your high school students and no doubt the leaders you work with every day. It's also, I think the more you hear those messages and you hear the stories of others, perhaps it helps to prepare you for those situations because you then have positive examples to pull from. Yeah. So true. I think, you know, another thing that my mom taught me was uh, she always talked about leaders are readers. So I read all the time. And, um, and I think Lou Holtz is a pretty famous Indiana coach, he coached at Notre Dame. And one of his uh, sayings, and I'll paraphrase it, but it was basically nothing great happens without adversity. You know, when things are easy, good things can happen, but nothing really great happens unless you go through a tough time and, and adversity. And whether that's in business, your personal life, Uh, sports, whatever it may be. Yeah, isn't that so true? And another great message to share with younger leaders, there's this exercise I do with leaders regularly um, where I ask them to tell me about their personal best leadership experience. And not surprisingly, Scott, what happens every single time, and that's no exaggeration, (laughs) it's always some sort of a challenge. And so the, the point that I always reinforce there is just what you said, like challenge gives, an, gives you an opportunity to lead. If it wasn't for a challenge, you know, there, there might not be a leadership opportunity. Ad- adversity can introduce you to yourself if you're open to it and willing 
to lead through it. And I do think that is an optimal time for people who are wanting uh, to take on leadership roles is to find a difficult situation and find a way to work through it and make it better. And I think that that hones your leadership skills, but it also gives others confidence to follow you. So tell me about like, how do I develop that? How do I, you, you talked about, I love the mantra, leaders are readers. I think the, because the, the best leaders have an open mind and are willing to grow and are willing to recognize, yeah, I messed that up. So what advice would you give to, to emerging leaders around how do you develop that? So I was in my late 20s when I began running Mainscape. And I didn't have any idea what I was doing or how to do it. I thought I did, but I really had no idea. And um, again, going back to my my family, my my parents, um, my dad was a, what I thought was a really good leader, and and he recommended me looking for a mentor in Indianapolis. And so I reached out uh, to an individual who really took me under their wing and introduced me to other people, taught me how to network taught me how to, to share stories publicly um, in communication and introduced me to other leaders in a, and recommended for me to be able to sit on boards that I never would have been able to get onto without that person's influence. And so I would recommend for people to find somebody that they can trust and that they maybe aspire to be like and reach out to that person and say, hey, would you mind being my mentor, but not uh, expecting them to have to do everything for you. You set the table for them and say, here's exactly what I'm looking for. Here's the amount of time that I would want to have invested. And maybe meet with them once a month, whether it's for lunch or breakfast, and tell them your good things and tell them your bad things. I probably failed, not probably, I did fail to share all of the bad things. And I wish I would have done that more with that individual. But you have to have somebody that you really trust but share the tough things that you're going through, whether it's personally or professionally, and let them share with you how, how to grow. How would you go about identifying potential mentors? I think you look at people who are already in your life, are again what you might aspire to be, or you ask those people who are in your life, if I were going to do this, give me the three best people that you can think of. And it doesn't have to be local. It can be national or international. And, and then invest in finding ways to reach out to those people who they are recommending and just asking them. Most people want to help other people, and especially when they're asked to do it. And so that's how I went about it. And, um, you know, I'm involved in a group called Young Presidents Organization, and my forum group is awesome. And those eight other people that are in my forum group really invest in my life and share the the highs and the lows. So Young Presidents Organization is a great one. You know, I was highly invested in the Indy Chamber, and I think there are tons of mentoring opportunities within the Indy Chamber that you could reach out to a host of, of different people who are involved in leadership positions there and, and ask them to mentor you. And tell me, give, give us a little more insight into the ask. So in today's world, what do you think is the best way to reach out to people you may not know? So we're, this is a constant area of interest for us at our firm. I think we've gotten so reliant on texting and emailing people 
that's taken away the personal connection. And this is just for me personally. So I really encourage our people to at least get on the phone with people and talk to them face to face or voice to voice. And then I would take that one step further. If you really want somebody to be your mentor, you better take the time and energy and effort to set up a meeting with them and uh, go to lunch, go to breakfast. And, and, and usually I just say, hey, I want to pick your brain about something and throw the ask out after you're halfway through the meal and just say, you know, here's something I've been thinking about. I'd love to have somebody help me grow. And you're an individual that I really admire. And here's why I admire you. And I was wondering if you'd be willing to invest in me and maybe do it, say, for a six-month period of time so that it doesn't feel like it's a lifelong uh, commitment for them and for you. But take that six months and then after six months, maybe reevaluate and say, hey, it now I've really grown in this last six months. I'd like to do it for another six months. Are you willing to hang on for another six months with me and help me? Um, and then try to do everything you can to repay that person uh, who's invested in you by uh, providing them opportunities or thanking them in any way you can. Yeah. And I, listening to you, Scott, I mean, I hear that that's, you talked earlier about networking. That's networking in a way, isn't it? I mean, it's all about building relationships and putting yourself out there. And I mean, those are the kind of things that are going to build your network. It is. And, and, you know, anything that you can do to provide for lifelong relationships and networking opportunities is so good. You know, all of us, uh, I should say all of us, at least myself, have messed up relationships and, and done something wrong, said something wrong, acted in a, a way that, that would hinder that relationship from moving forward. But to the extent that you can, try not to burn bridges because you never know who those people will be able to help you interact with and who you can help them interact with. And I think instead of looking to get, always look to give. Like when you do go to a, a meeting, how can I help you versus how can they help me? type of thing. And and they'll naturally respond and, and find ways to help you. Yeah, I like your point about because people always want to help. I think um, one, one of the things I hear from leaders a lot whenever I suggest to them that they find a mentor is, well, gosh, how would I go about doing that? Which is why I've probed in a bit with you. And I think you've given some good some good guidance. The other thing I hear in your suggestion, Scott, is just the idea of like taking initiative to do that. I, I hear from leaders a lot, oh, they, you know, they may think I'm silly or gosh, I should be at a point in my career where I shouldn't be asking for a mentor. And well, it, it just takes some humility and some gumption and some courage to reach out to someone and say, hey, I, I would love to pick your brain. I would love to learn from you. And that um, that's a differentiator. I think when people are willing to do that. I think you're right, Andrea. It Another thing that I think people, that, that this gentleman who was my mentor shared with me was look for ways to serve on boards of directors. Almost every nonprofit needs board members. And those are great ways to rub shoulders with other leaders. And you're doing it in a soft setting, but you can really learn a lot from people. And once you get onto the board, then it's a, a, an easier ask to say, hey, can we go to lunch and talk about XYZ organization? And then while you're at lunch and talking about that, you can also learn from them and say, hey, you know, I've also got this personal issue with my business. A any thoughts on that on how to respond or, or, or attack that issue? 
Yeah, I think that's really, really helpful guidance. I want to go back to the moment, right? So let's let's go back to the the mainscape moment. Here you are in the midst of this challenge, right? Did not anticipate them wanting to go in a different direction. You said you felt angry and really surprised by that. And something I want to get at, Scott, is just recognizing how you're feeling in that moment. Because I think our feelings can be a guide. I think a lot of the times we uh, we respond based on our feelings or we react based on our feelings rather than taking a step back and really reflecting on the good mantras that your mom shared around resilience and persistence. And now that you have grown and you recognize that challenge is an opportunity to lead, how are you paying attention in the moment? How are you using your feelings? Uh, that's a really insightful question. And I think, you know, I go back, I, I had incredible fear in that moment. Like, what am I going to do next? And not like there weren't a million opportunities out in the world, but for me in that moment, I was like, what am I going to do next? Um, I have no idea what, what the future holds. So, so there's huge fear and, and there's anger, uh, betrayal, you know, you kind of run through the gamut of, of different things. I think for me, it's don't quit. Like, how do you keep from quitting mentally or emotionally, even though you may have lost the opportunity that you were thinking about? It's how do you get and take that next step? And so somebody once said, well, how do you develop discipline? And it's one moment at a time, one decision at a time, and just doing it and committing to doing it every day over and over and over again. And all of a sudden you've built up a week of saying the right thing or doing the right thing. And so just do the right thing one step at a time. And, uh, and so for me, again, that comes back to things that my mom taught me. Her maiden name was Hummel and she read into me, Hummel's never quit. And that was kind of one of those things that I kind of hear constantly playing in my background and I have quit before. So it's, it's, but you got to come back the next day and say, okay, I'm not going to let that happen again. And just, uh, we're human. And so we fail, but how do you take the next step forward and just keep moving on? So how do you, how do you come back? So you're not quitting, you're staying in it. You know, you, how do you work past the fear, the anger to get yourself into a good place? So when you come back, you're able to actually lead through it in a positive way. I think that you have to, at least for me, I, I, I had to take a moment to grieve the loss. And that probably in that situation was a month. I mean, it took me a while to, to go through that grieving process. And then I could sit and wallow in it or I needed to get up and get going. And I had people in my life that encouraged me and said, hey, you know what? You're talented enough. There's a lot of opportunities. Start meeting with everybody that you can meet with and just talk to them about what their issues are in their organizations and see if there are any of those issues that you can go help solve. And you may not even come on as a paid position. You may just say, hey, I'm willing to invest a week, a month, whatever it might take to help you solve that issue. And if you can show them value, um, all of a sudden they'll be like, hey, I can't afford not to have you on our team. And, and so find an issue that you are uniquely gifted to solve 
And I think that's kind of what I did is, and, and just started meeting with as many people as I could, buying them breakfast or lunch or playing golf with them, taking them to a game, some, doing something, but not expecting them to have to pay for it, having me be the one that would be the initiator and the payer for it, and then finding out what their problems are. And everybody's got problems that they need solved. Find something that you are uniquely able to solve. That's good. So there's also this knowing your strengths and looking for opportunities where you can help. And that's such a different mindset than retaliation and anger and frustration. And so I guess that's because you said don't wallow in it. That would be wallowing, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and, and part of it is whoever, you know, whatever your situation is, it takes two. And for the mainscape situation, those were guys that I really cared about. And like I said, it's allowed us to be able to heal that um, down the road. I mean, I'm still, like I said, I reached out to them this week and called them, but they've reached out to me or called me at different times. And, and we still try to get together. And I think that's a pretty unique situation, but it takes both sides to be willing to say, you know what, that was a really hard thing that we went through. And how do we maintain a relationship moving forward without continuing to be hurt by it? Yeah, there's a lot of maturity in that. But but why not choose that? You know, that's that's the thing. If you can get two mature parties to come together and have that conversation, just and it just feels so much better, you know? It does. And, and especially instead of walking around town or walking, you know, anywhere and just thinking, man, I hope I never see that person again you're going to run into them. And so why not make it the best as, uh, as you possibly can and learning to forgive and forgiving is so hard, I think, but uh, especially when it feels like you've been unjustly, but that's part of forgiveness. I mean, we, it's easy to forgive if you, if you don't. And then you're not carrying that around with you, right? You're not carrying that burden and that load. There's a, there's a freedom that comes with just acknowledging, Hey, I, I could have been, I could have been a lot better here. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, like saying I'm sorry and moving on. Yeah. And then in the, in the situation that you were in where you feel like perhaps you've been wronged, like w why carry that around? How is that going to be helpful? You know, I, there's a leader that I worked with that just was so hung up on how she'd been wronged and she just did not want to put that down. And I saw then the impact that that had on her work. She spent so much time and energy focusing on how she'd been wronged when, gosh, there's just all the energy that she could have been using to lead. And You know, in, in basketball, we always talk about next play. You know, you may have turned the ball over. You may have fouled somebody, but you got to think about the next play. And that's really, I think, in this situation, the exact same thing. It's next play. Like, what, what, okay, what do I do now that can make the situation better as I move forward? And I think that's true in life. It's very difficult to do, easier said than done. But I, I think you're exactly right. You know, how do you lose that negative energy? And something that I learned is that nobody else wants to hear something bad about your experience with your previous employer. Right. Um, exactly. And so, so if you're coming into an interview sharing about how you got wronged, all that's running through their mind is 10 years down the road, am I going to hear the same thing, you know, played out again in this situation? So I think how you handle that with a new employer is really important and speaking only positive about people in your past is really good advice. Well, and doesn't that carry across anything? You know, if I'm if I'm talking to a friend and 
he's talking negatively about another friend, right? I mean, I think that that mantra can follow you through every relationship and experience that people don't want to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. You're right, Andrea. I, I mean, people, one of the, so I've learned so many lessons at Mainscape. One, one of the ones that, that one of the guys there shared with me was you never w- want to work for a nervous boss, especially if you're the one making them nervous. And I thought that was a great little leadership antidote. Another one that uh, Dave Mazanowski shared all the time was all things being equal, people do business with people they like. All things not being equal, people still do business with people they like. So, you know, that's very much around the price, you know, let's not be price sensitive. Let's, let's build relationships and, and not make it about price. That's all. It always comes back to the relationship, doesn't it? I believe so. Yeah. Well, Scott, thank you so much for sharing these insights with us today. The, the insights that you shared around resilience, don't quit, lead through the challenge you know, ra- rather than wallowing, looking for where you can help, where are you uniquely able to help? And what's so what's so powerful about this for me is, you, you know, you started with that's a life philosophy for you. I mean, clearly your faith drives a trust in what happens in life, right? Because you know that God has a bigger plan for you. So there's a there's a macro message, but then all the way down to talking about the next play, you know, that's then I think with every single moment and situation in our life, you know, our, our spouse or our kids may do something to trigger us, but rather than reacting negatively in the moment, there's a bigger picture at play. So trusting that things will always have a way of working, working out. And ultimately we're not in control. And it's hard. Uh, you know, I'm a type A personality and I like to control everything about my environment that I possibly can. And, and yet we can't control everything. I, I, I want to commend you, Andrea, on on the, the Being at Work podcast. I, I shared with you off the air that I've had a chance to listen to all of the episodes. And each one, there's an opportunity to learn something and grow. And I think you're doing a great job with this. So thank you for... Um, given this uh, gift to the Indianapolis and, and the world community. Oh, you're welcome. It's possible because of leaders like you that are willing to come on and be vulnerable and share their stories. So thanks for the partnership. You're welcome. And I was going to recommend there's that book, How to Win Friends and Influence People is the book that uh, my mentor in college gave to me. And, and it's an old book, but man, is it good. And it's got really practical information in it. Yeah, never gets old. Well, because it gets all about relationships. All the things we've talked about today are the premise of the book. Scott, if our listeners want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? So I'm going to take a risk here, but I'm going to uh, I'm going to give out my email address and my cell phone. I'm on LinkedIn, but I use it sporadically. I probably should use it a lot more. My my email address is smiller at Bowman Construction Inc. Inc. dot net. And you got to have the .net instead of .com. And then cell phone is 317-339-1605. And I can be reached there. Either leave me a voicemail or text and, and I can respond. Great. Well, thanks for being here. You're welcome. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a Being at Work story.